0: Raptors fans, we are back. The preseason is shortly coming up. The off season's basically over. The Raptors have what looks to be their training camp team in place. Um, it'll be interesting to see these training camp battles and who comes away with the 15 spots. But since the Raptors season is slowly approaching, Raptors cage is back. I'm going to be on here covering this season the whole year. And to start it off, I brought on Oren Weisfeld. He writes for Raptors Republic and, honestly, a bunch of different places like Yahoo and Complex. He's had articles everywhere. So this was a really good conversation. We previewed the season, kind of reviewed uh, some of the offseason, some of the moves the Raptors made, even though, for the most part, it was a quiet offseason. Uh, and then we get into some fun over-unders, um, some higher-lowers, some pick-or-choose games. Um, but, yeah, as always... You can follow the show at Raptors Cage on Twitter. You can follow me. I honestly feel like I change my Twitter handle all the time. Uh, So I'm going to have to look up where you can follow me. At Zach Wilson MH. Okay, that's where you can follow me because I decided to change my Twitter handle a lot. Um, But subscribe to the show, rate, review it, do what you can, and let's get it. All right, I am super excited to be back on the Raptors coverage after I feel like a fairly quiet offseason. It's probably pretty quiet when maybe the most exciting thing was a hypothetical that maybe was never a hypothetical in the first place. But to kind of review the offseason that was and get into a bit of a preview of the season to come. We got Oren Weisfeld of Raptors Republic, also freelances a bunch of different places. So uh, first off, Oren, how's uh, how's it going? How's the offseason?
1: Yeah, my off-season was good. Um, pretty chill, to be honest. I've been trying to find stuff not basketball-related to write about because uh, this is my full-time job now. So did some Blue Jays things, and now I'm back to doing Canada basketball stuff because they're playing in the Cup, and then we got the Women's World Cup in late September. So now I got some work, but it was it was dry there for a while.
0: So even when you're taking a break from basketball, you're really just diving into other basketball and then – Different sports. Yeah, exactly. <laughs>
1: Just, uh, the sport calendar never stops. I've learned.
0: How are you feeling about the Jays uh, this year? They got, what, like 30 games left? They took the doubleheader from Baltimore yesterday at the current time we're recording. So what are you, uh, what are you expecting of them?
1: I'm thankful for them, first of all, because since the Raptors, since the NBA season wrapped, like, they were the only thing for a while. So they provided me with some good entertainment, first of all. And, yeah, I mean, I don't know much about baseball. When I say I'm writing about the Jays, I mean more like the human side of, of these players. That's
0: amazing, though.
1: Yeah, but uh, from my perspective, it doesn't look like they're like a World Series champion kind of team, but they're good and they're exciting, and I think they could win some playoff games. So, hey, I'm I'm all for, even if you like, I remember when, like, the Bautista thing, like, that's the unique thing about, baseball I think especially is like even if you don't go very far you can provide some real exciting moments so should be a good should be a good postseason
0: yeah like they should make the playoffs they should grab the wild card I mean they're what only like five and a half games back of the Yankees now after the Yankees had like a 16 15 game lead so uh no it should be exciting and I think honestly the one thing about baseball and I guess hockey's kind of like this, too, is really it's anyone's game. Like, you just get a hot pitcher, uh, three straight games, and you're good. But I think, yeah, you're right. Like, between the Jays starting rotation and bullpen, unless they really catch fire, I don't know if it kind of matches up with those uh, the rest of the teams there.
1: Yeah, but you're right. Anything can happen. Um, and they, some of them, like Bo, he's heating up at the perfect time. Yeah.
0: So, uh, hey, never say never. I won't, um, but we'll uh, we'll dive into the Raptors, the main reason we're here. Um, and I definitely, this first question, I am not going to take all pod on this because I know it's been beaten into the ground profusely and it's over with. But were you like eventually, or uh not eventually, but just kind of in the end, you were happy with what happened with the Katie situation of, okay, no trade, like he's not going anywhere. Or where were you standing all that? Because I know Raptors, Twitter and media and fans were – all torn apart. Like where did you stand throughout that whole thing? As far as your opinion of what they should do.
1: Yeah. I thought the general consensus was surprisingly anti kd from Raptors fans. Like I saw a lot of people say he's too old to trade for. He's too much of a cancer to bring into the locker room. Yada, yada, yada. I was always pro go get KD If you can, Um, that was my take. That's where I stand. Obviously didn't get done, but I really don't think that's like over with like that. Brooklyn situation feels like it's going to blow up again in the next year or so. And I think Katie is going to hit the market again and maybe his price will come down a little bit if it blows up again. So yeah, like I think the Raptors should be all over that type of trade. I think that's what they're missing is like that number one offensive option to, to kind of power them through some of these playoff series Um, but I also understand it from a Raptors perspective. They drew a line in the sand and weren't going to go crazy and give up Barnes and picks. And and so I understand it from their perspective too.
0: Yeah. And I feel like I kinda, or I, I completely have respect for the nets front office and how they handled it and just straight up saying, you know, we're not just going to trade you. If we get a good deal that we see as beneficial to us, then sure. We'll ship you out. But if we're not getting that, then we're going to stick it you know, stick through it. And I mean, they did. And I guess, yeah, like you're saying, I guess it worked out, but who knows if it's over. Um, but yeah, no, I uh, I'm definitely, I was on the same boat as you as if you have a chance to get a top three, top five player, maybe even top one, wherever you want to rank Katie uh, you, you go and do it. Obviously you don't give up your entire team because that would negate the purpose of trading for a star is if you don't have the team around him to win with. But no, I'm I'm always on board with when a guy like that is available, you make basically every, every effort you can to do it. Yeah,
1: and I was also in on Donovan Mitchell, although to mm. a lesser extent, um, but I thought it would make sense to trade like if you're not gutting, if it's just like a Gary Trent Jr. and picks package, I thought that would have made sense, but. I mean I guess that's what we're going to talk about. The Raptors decided to kind of stay with the group they have and and just kind of hope that internal development can take them to the next step in their in their push for contention here.
0: Yeah, so why don't we can we can start there. Obviously the Raptors last year um went out round 1 to Philly in a six game series that was kind of close. I know there was some some thoughts of, you know, the first ever 3-0 comeback, but I feel like at the end of the day that that series, I don't think I'm far off by saying that series was closer to a sweep than it was to a seven game series, even though it went six. So do you expect just the internal improvements and then the guys like Otto and maybe Josh Jackson and Coloco uh, kind of that group to improve the team? Because I feel like the East as a whole also improved.
1: Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So I think that, internal improvements will definitely like improve the team in the sense that they'll be better next season um but like you just said the east got better so I don't see them taking a huge wins leap when we're talking about like the regular season like I would think I think last year's team overperformed in terms of how many wins they got relative to Probably, how yeah wins. so I think this team will be right around there 48 to 50 wins but that doesn't mean there's as good like they'll be a better team but the east is better. And there's no more like this COVID stuff, people not coming to Canada. Like they they had some weird wins last season. So I think they'll be better, um, but I think they'll be around the same win total. And and that could get you in like the play-in tournament in how stacked the East is these days. Um, but in terms of like, yeah, I also think they will be a better playoff team as well, just through some of those internal improvements and also through the experience they got. You saw guys like, Precious Achua. As that series went on, he really learned how to defend, especially Embiid, a lot better than how it started. And Scotty got better as that series went on, and OG figured out a lot of things that that he could do with the ball. So they'll be a better team, but I'm not sure they've taken any significant leap to contention yet.
0: Right, and I I think I agree, and I think a lot of it is as you mentioned, and then as I mentioned earlier, the improvement of the East as a whole. Obviously, Brooklyn just by. Getting their guys back will be better. Um, Milwaukee was really good. I think they maybe could have even won it last year if Middleton stayed healthy. And then you know Philly's improvements if they have a full off with Harden and Embiid. So yeah, you can go down the line. Atlanta even. So yeah, I uh, I, I uh, yeah, no, I um, I want to talk about one guy who uh, the Raptors signed this off season. Really like the only guy other than this Josh Jackson news <laughs> that we got. uh recently and ironically enough as a guy who's what like a 6-8 wing you know the Raptors have a million of those it almost felt like they didn't really have a solid one off the bench though for as much as they had like a million of them do you think he really fills like a truly almost crucial role with a potential small ball weapon or a like small ball lineup weapon with him or even just as a shooter off the bench like what do you expect to see out of auto like w- will he be in the rotation regularly you think
1: yeah, I think he'll be a part of the rotation from the start. Like, I, I wouldn't say that the Raptors didn't have a, a kind of 6'8 sized wing that they could dependably bring off the branch last season. I think they had a couple in like uh, Chris Boucher and then Thad Young, right. uh, guys like that. But the difference is like those guys fill different roles. And Otto is a shooter. And offensively, at least, like he's going to fill a different role than those two do. And I actually think he'll work well with those two. And like Thad came in and and he provided a a real boost to the team, but like mostly as a playmaker, like as a connector. And Boucher got better as the season went on, um, taking fives off the dribble and as a shooter. And and like Otto will be able to slot into that group as that spot up shooter and that cutter. And I think him and Thad could be a really interesting combination. Um, So yeah, it's big it's it's honestly a big signing like going into the offseason all I really cared about was like how they use that mid-level exception that was the biggest thing to me because in the past few years they've really struck out when they had some money to spend and I think they got one of the better guys for that money total uh in the in all free agency so I'm really happy with that signing offensively yeah I think he'll really open up the floor for some guys and then defensively he's he's solid and he's a really good rebounder on both sides of the ball um so yeah good signing
0: overall yeah I remember before the offseason kind of started going on the Raptors over everything show with Amit and we did a bit of a you know who what are some potential options for this mid-level exception and we didn't even bother touching on wings because we were like why do they need to pick up a wing like it's it's a point guard or it's a big and Obviously, they went the wing direction, but I think what they mainly did, as you pointed out, was just go the direction of, you know, best player available or one of the best players available. Um, but that's still kind of left like a hole at big. I know a lot of people talk about how, well, you know, not having a big didn't hurt the Raptors. I honestly think it did. I don't think it was their The absolute like, you know, the thing that just killed them. But I think MB really gave the Raptors absolute fits and so the Raptors went out and got a big through the draft which you don't always expect draft guys to play an immediate impact right away I think it's unrealistic to expect that especially from a second rounder like Coloco is but seeing as the Raptors literally don't have another true big do you think he could play a role or will it be a development year for him maybe a bit of both?
1: Yeah, I I I wouldn't expect him to play a role to start the season. Um and I'm mostly just saying that based off what I saw in summer league like he's not ready offensively and he's not ready as a rebounder defensively to really play big minutes in the NBA yet unless he's learned a lot over the last three months, which is possible. Like guys take leaps at random times. So maybe he's just improved that much during this summer. I would expect him to start the year in the nine Oh five. And then there's definitely a a possibility for him halfway through the year, whatever it is to come up and kind of earn his way into the rotation. Um, Maybe at the trade deadline, maybe they get off a guy like Ken Birch at the trade deadline and then Coloco steps into that kind of backup center role. Um, but yeah, like, I agree with you that they need a big, like, there's, there's no doubt that that plagued them last season. I think their hope is that, like, precious steps into that role as, you know, he's shown that he can do a little bit of everything. He's obviously not a traditional big man, but he's shown that he can do some of the traditional big man things. And so if he just improves at all those things a little bit next season, I think it'll be less of an issue. And then, yeah, to to me, Coloco is more of a long-term play next year, the year after that, to kind of fill the, that role.
0: Yeah, I remember watching uh, the playoff series, and there was, like, three possessions in a row or something. I forget which game where Precious just took and beat off the dribble with literally no issues. And that's the one thing he gives you is, no, he's not a traditional big that's going to back a guy down or going to be just a hard, tough roller to the rim and be able to stand your big up in the post defensively but he and especially i know rico hines aren't the end-all be-all but we saw some pretty like sweet handles from him uh some ability to take his guy off the dribble or even just pull up off the dribble so um do you think he is poised say if there was a most improved raptors award do you think he's kind of in line for that award or do do you think you see someone else
1: no yeah i think it's him um I think even like most improved player award, he, right. he, he in the running uh, Scotty is another obvious answer, but like second, you, you expect second year guys to just take a leap. Everyone's expecting Scotty to make the leap. I think he will make a leap. He got better as the season went on. So it's not like it's crazy to expect. So did precious though. Like that's why you kind of expect these guys to just continue that upward trajectory. But yeah, like you won't find someone higher on, on precious than me. Mm. I uh, I really like his game. I think he's the perfect modern day big. He's not pretty, he's not a typical big in that like he's not going to drop and protect the rim and roll and catch lobs. Um, and and like you said, the Raptors are still missing that player, or until Coloco is ready to be that player. But he does so many other things for you that most centers just can't do. And I think that he he he's like an X factor for them. Um, even that Philly series, the way that he, you're right. He took and beat off the dribble. And that's like that wing aspect of his offensive game where he does wing things is pretty interesting, but like, it's still, to me, the Raptors have enough guys offensively who can do that, but more so defensively, like the way he was able to stand up and beat in the post as that season went on and like leave those double teams a couple extra seconds because Precious had it like, that actually was nobody really could have expected that, but I think he's stronger than people give him credit for, and I think he's he might be that guy next season that you just put on the best player of the opposing team and like don't worry about it, whether it's a wow. wing or. A, um. So yeah, I'm I'm pretty high on Precious.
0: Yeah. No. That's fair. I uh, I'm really high on him too. And as you mentioned, Scotty, he's just if like. Taking another leap for him would be unreal, and I mean, he's another guy who, or I guess, a guy who could be a, a consistent all-star eventually in the future. Um, and you talked about the expectation for him to take the second leap, and this is kind of you know throwing a fastball at you to react quick. But which raptor do you think, if you think there is one, has kind of the most individual pressure to perform, to live up to standards, to? you know, just kind of really, if he has a weak season, then, you know, the the fans are going to be calling for his name. What do you think there is a Raptor or multiple Raptors that kind of sit in that category?
1: Yeah, it's a great question. I think there's two that come to mind and they're the same two that were kind of all in trade rumors this off season. So OG and Gary Mm. are the two that I think have the most pressure on them, but for different reasons, like Gary, I think has pressure on him because if he doesn't improve and if he's this player forever, he is pretty expendable. Like that's just the reality. Players like that are expendable, like one way players who score, but don't really play make and don't really defend like the way that Harden targeted him as that series went on. It's worrisome in a playoff series. So Gary kind of has to take the next step if he wants to kind of guarantee if he wants to grow into like a max player kind of player and like guarantee a next contract with the Raptors. OG is a different thing because it's more so like his happiness. And I think Mm -hmm. like whether or not OG and the Raptors have a good season kind of goes hand in hand, because if they don't, then I could totally see him saying like, like he apparently already is like, I want more touches Um, he's going to have like one more year on his contract after this, maybe he wants out and they'll keep it quiet, but maybe that happens. So yeah, those two, I think have a lot of pressure for Gary. It's kind of just to take a leap in order to really cement himself as part of this core. And for OG, it's kind of more so like, can you fit me into the offense enough to where I'm happy?
0: Right. Yeah. And, uh, Yeah, I don't know what to think of all those OG rumors of him being happy or unhappy. I think we kind of learned that it was slightly overblown. But, I mean, as you mentioned, I've heard and seen all over Twitter. uh, Between the two of these guys, I don't think most people expect both of them to be able to be on the team within the next however many years. So I think that's also another reason why their names were in trade rumors. Uh, If you kind of had to take one going forward, because I honestly think this is a pretty close debate. I think a lot of people would probably lean OG, Um, but which direction do you lean uh, if you had to choose one? If it was that easy of just, I'll take one and leave one, uh, who would you pick going forward?
1: Yeah, I'll take OG. I just think like the two-way players are so much harder to find. Gary, the only reason I I could see people taking him is because the Raptors don't have players like that who can fill out the score sheet and and just like get hot and create his own shot. And so he's really valuable on the Raptors at the same time. I think players like Gary are pretty replaceable. Like you look at a guy like Jordan Clarkson, who's on the market right now, he's not as good as Gary Trent Jr, especially defensively, but he does 80% of the things that Gary does at way lower of a cost. You know, there's a lot of guys like that, I think in the league. So, and they come at a way lower value than OG and Anobi does. Um, and I also think what makes the Raptors so unique is that they have all these big wings. And so I think OG is a huge part of that. Cause if you trade, that was, that was kind of the fears. Like, okay, if you trade OG for like, let's say Donovan Mitchell, for example, you're all of a sudden this really average looking team, right. With like two, a small backcourt and then Scotty and Pascal you know, a pretty average size front court. Um, And I think the Raptors are so good in part because they're so big and so switchable. And, and yeah, OG is a huge part of that.
0: Yeah. I feel like, so I can't lie to you partway through the season. If I had to pick one or if you, if you ask me this question, I probably would lean Gary um, solely for the reason that you mentioned is he's a guy that's unique to the Raptors where, you know, just the way he can fill up a, a stat sheet, a set, especially scoring wise. I think, you know, we see Pascal being able to do that. But when you watch Gary put up 30, you watch Pascal put up 30. It's it's very different. Like Gary just looks very fluid, come off screens, pull up, catch and shoot where Pascal's game is just a constant grind night after night and he is getting better at shooting. He's getting better at pulling up, but it's just like, you know, back a guy down, spin move, get in the post where, yeah, Yeah. obviously. And then what Gary had that, what was it like a five game stretch where he scored like 30 plus. Um, (laughs) So it's pretty amazing. And I think OG's health also plays into that a bit for me. But now that it's the offseason and I'm not watching them actively, you know, every other night or whatever it is, I would probably lean OG as well for the simple fact that he probably is like a top five perimeter defender in the league when he plays. And then his off the dribble game improved a lot this year. Like, I think this year was the first year that it took like a legit leap his off the dribble game. Do you expect him to get more opportunities like that? Because obviously the Raptors have a lot of guys who can handle the ball and create offense.
1: Yeah, that's also why it's a good question. Because yeah, like eventually one of these guys probably has to go just in order for everyone to get the touches that they kind of deserve.
0: Mm-hmm. So
1: OG, I think he's like really underrated right now by Raptors fans because you you hear everyone talk about how Scotty is gonna take this big leap, how Scotty could be uh all star next season. And like everyone was saying the same thing about OG a year ago but we just move really quickly in this league our opinions mm-hmm. change so quickly i think this could be the year that og does round into his form and and becomes an all-star type player and becomes yeah like you said like he took some real leaps off the dribble maybe that continues the only issue is that yeah there's just not there's too many mouths to feed and i don't know if i don't know if he gets enough shots to actually like become an all-star but i think he could play well enough to like deserve the honor um hmm. I am expecting the, the thing people underrate about basketball is is like how much of a rhythm game it is. right? And so OG, oh, he's had such unlucky injury history. and if you really break down last season into what happened, it's a lot more complicated than just like OG's oh, isolation numbers aren't very good. It's more like OG oh, started without Pascal. It was a tough adjustment being the number one option. He wasn't very good. But then as he became better and more comfortable at it, Pascal came back and then there was another adjustment period and then OG got injured after he was kind of getting used to that. And then he came back and then he was getting better and then he got injured again late in the season. It's like whenever that's kind of happening, it's so hard to really find your form. But if we can get a healthy OG season, I, I totally I think that's in the cards.
0: Yeah. And that's honestly all I want Um, one, because it makes the Raptors better when he plays, but two, just, just for his sake. I mean, you mentioned all his up and downs and his unlucky injury. I mean, this guy even missed the entire championship run because of what is his appendix got removed and stuff. So it's just, it's so random. Uh, I do want to top touch on one more topic before we head into some over, under higher, lower predictions. And it kind of goes along the same line as we were talking about of ball handlers and offensive creators And that's the backup point guard position, which I think is kind of a unnecessary uh, title for the topic because the term point guard doesn't have as much or the same meaning as it used to, you know, tons of guys create depending on the offensive play. So maybe it's just a rotation question where obviously Fred, you know, has your quote unquote starting point guard. And then for the backup point guard position, do you think they turn to you know Scotty Pascal, uh, Thaddeus Young, kind of like a point guard by committee thing, or will you know fifty point per game offseason Malachi Flynn get a get a chance, or maybe even Banton get some love? Uh, what, what do you think that rotation will look like? I guess from the quote unquote point guard spot.
1: Yeah, in terms of the duties, I think it will be like the three you said at first, Pascal and Thad and and scotty but i also think one of malachi or banton kind of has to play like has Mm -hmm. to be a part of the rotation more for like the ball handling than like the point guard like quote unquote right stuff um and so that's an interesting that's like one of the most interesting training camp battles to me is uh, Malachi against Banton because, I mean, we've talked about it ad nauseum. I think Banton fits the system better, but Malachi is probably a little bit more polished as a player. Right. Um, but I'm watching the Cup right now. I'm covering that at Raptors Republic, and Banton is, like, averaging 20 points. Uh, and... It's not Euro basket, but it is like high level American competition. And he is the best player on the floor every game. So, and he, he hasn't even really had that like popping performance yet. So, there's definitely a world that Banton overtakes Malachi at some point in this season and steps into the rotation. Um, to me, he's still raw, but I think the long term, I would definitely bet on Banton over Malachi. I think he has a, a lot of intriguing skills.
0: Right. Even just his ability at a, you know his height of 6'9", or whatever he's listed at, to grab a rebound and then just book it down the floor. He moves so quick. And I think Malachi works well in the pick and roll, which maybe that helps as Coloco kind of works his way in and hopefully works his way into the rotation, whether it's next year, or later this year, uh, whenever it is. But yeah, no, I, I think I, I agree with you. Ultimately, it'll be guys like Pascal, Scotty, Thad. I mean, it, it'll probably even be mostly those guys handling... The offensive creation, even when Fred's on the floor, because I think Fred plays best off ball. Would would you say so? Or
1: yeah, just to go back though, I think Malachi will win that spot over Banton. Right. Mostly not even to do with like the ball handling like, stuff, more more to just do with like he's a better shooter than Banton is right now. And like you said, if those three are gonna handle the ball, all you really need is a guy who's gonna spot up and knock down threes. And I think Malachi even though he hasn't really done that, there's no reason to think he he wouldn't be able to like his shot is definitely way ahead of Bantons is at this point. So that's the only reason I would really lean him with Fred. I think like, yeah, I think Fred has to take a, he has to take a backseat on the offense, whether it's like less on ball, more off ball, whatever it is, it's just, there's so many mouths to feed, and as a point guard, you have to know, you have to acknowledge like when it's my turn and when it's not my turn. And I think last season he did a lot of things out of necessity, and this season he won't have to. So I just want to see him take a little bit of a backseat on on offense.
0: Man, this is like my first real. NBA or Raptors talk in so long. And it's honestly getting me so excited. I thought for like a slight little bit that I liked football more than basketball, but I think it's just because the season's coming sooner and I haven't talked basketball in a while. I'm, I'm so amped for this. Um, Okay. So I want to give you, I told you I had some over unders for you. I didn't give you them. So um, if you need a bit of time to think through them or think through your reasoning, obviously understandable, but I kind of wanted to add in the surprise factor Okay, so this first one, I'm realizing maybe I set it a bit too high. Uh, it's a very basic one, but would you put the Raptors having over or under one and a half All-Stars this year?
1: Yeah, no, that's that's not high. I think that's, that's the line. Uh, yeah, so I think Pascal will be an All-Star. Mm-hmm. Um, but I would probably go under. Just because the East got so deep. And you only really get two All-Stars if you're like a top three seed. And I guess I'm a little low on the Raptors relative to a lot of people. I I don't really see them being a top three seed next season. It's possible, though. Like, it would not shock me, but I would bet against it. Um. So, yeah. My hot take, though, would be that if they get a second All-Star, I would take... OG's chances over Barnes, like it, it would probably be Fred's mm. second, but I would take OG's chances over Barnes.
0: Interesting. I uh, I think a lot of people would disagree. I don't know. Yeah. I might disagree. I really, I just like ah, oh, these Rico Hines runs are so deceiving because Scotty looks like LeBron out there. Um, but you kind of f- flowed into this next one, so I'll jump over to this one. Uh, end of the regular season, higher or lower? Uh, than five and a half on the standings. Five and a half. Ooh. So basically, will they finish five or higher, six or lower? Yeah,
1: I got Milwaukee, Boston, Philly, Cleveland. I'll say five. That's I did this recently with a friend, and those were the top four. And then I gave Toronto five. I'm pretty low on Brooklyn. Uh, people will definitely take Brooklyn above them, but I just I'm a Ben Simmons hater certified. <sighs>
0: Yeah, so I'll then you're pretty you're pretty low in Miami then too.
1: Yeah, I mean, I I don't know. Like Miami could totally be in this conversation. It really depends on Kyle Lowry and how good he is next season. But they lost PJ Tucker, didn't replace him. They got worse, in my opinion. They got older. So yeah, it, I mean, Miami could totally get in there, but
0: it's I'll really say, hard.
1: Yeah, it's hard. And so could Atlanta. I'm pretty high on Atlanta too, but uh, it is what it is.
0: Yeah. I think if you asked me like higher or lower five and a half of like best teams in the East, I would probably put them lower. Cause I think I would rank them like sixth or seventh, but right. I mean, we're, we're strictly talking regular season wins. Like Toronto yeah. is just consistently a good regular season team. So I think. They could probably finish around fifth. I mean, like, the East really has eight really solid teams, and that doesn't even count Chicago. Like, maybe they have nine really solid teams. Like, the East yep. is really deep.
1: No, for sure. Yeah. I, I, yeah, we're talking regular season wins, so I'll take them at, at fifth, but it, it's close.
0: Okay. Um, this one is kind of similar to the first one, but would you put over or under 0.5 all NBA members? So it's basically, you think Pascal's going to make it?
1: Pascal. Yeah. I think like I think he's one of the more underrated players in the league. Like obviously Raptors fans don't underrate him, but league-wide fans I feel like really do. And he came into last season with a torn, you know, shoulder surgery. Really got it going as the season went on and so even if he just does what he did for the second half of next season, that's like a second team all NBA player if he does what he did for the second half of last season all all season uh and honestly he could be even better than that so we'll see
0: right okay so for this next one I just had Scotty uh maybe I'll put it Scotty slash OG but with how high on you are on OG maybe this will be an easy one for you uh this is kind of a more likely to so what's more likely Scotty or OG making the all-star team or Fred making all nba hmm Don't know. That's not. <laughs> <But> <laughs> I can give you my answer while you think?
1: Yeah, well, yeah, go ahead.
0: I think I would lean uh Scotty or OG making the All-Star team. I personally would lean more Scotty. I guess you would lean more OG. Um not for the the fact that I think they'll necessarily make the All-Star team. I just think to make all NBA as a guard in this league, especially when, you know, Tatum's yeah. getting thrown as a guard, Luka is a guard, heck LeBron could maybe be thrown as a guard. That's like that's really hard to do. Um. even though I think Fred Van Vliet is going to be more of an all NBA level player than Scotty or OG would be an all-star level player, kind of, if that makes sense, but there's just so much more limited spots on the all NBA team.
1: Yeah, that's tough. Cause I also said Fred is going to take a step back offensively. Right. Um. So I don't know, I guess I'll go Fred just out of the fact that like people know that he's the second best player on the team. And so if they're like a top three seed again, and and Pascal is the first best player and they want to reward another player at the end of the season, it's going to be Fred. Um, But I, I kind of feel like, yeah, neither of those things are going to happen.
0: Yeah, no, that's fair. Um, Okay. I have two more. This next one isn't necessarily a higher, lower, or over and under. It's just like a, a pick a, pick a team because we've talked about how there's going to be nine really solid teams in the east you kind of expect toronto to finish within that four to six range so out of all the realistic first round opponents who would you label as the toughest as in you just don't want to see them at all and then who would you label as the easiest where if you saw toronto matched up against them you would you would favor them or you would at least say this is our best chance at advancing to the second round
1: yeah uh milwaukee to me is still the best team in the east i don't want to see them um even though you could argue that the raptors have some guys who are well prepared to take on Giannis, they have a lot of big wings to throw on Giannis. i still think like he's the best player in the east so i i just want to avoid the best i think he's the best player in the world i want to avoid him at all costs so i'll i'll take my milwaukee for the team i don't want to see um and then I don't know what realistic means. Like right, how, right.
0: whatever go. you think. So you know
1: what I mean, though.
0: Like how about how about no no Atlanta no Chicago uh, those other I guess what was it that be like six or seven teams we touched on between Cleveland Boston Miami Milwaukee and Philly and Brooklyn I guess.
1: Cleveland Boston, yeah. Okay, I would I would say Miami and Brooklyn. Mm. Um, I think the Raptors could beat those teams. Um kind of for similar reasons, I guess you could say, even though they're really different teams, like they're not deep teams. And Toronto is really good at taking away the best player on the opposing team and daring the role players to kind of beat them. And I just think like, I'll, I'll, I'll take, you know, the Duncan Robinsons of the world and the whatever it is, Caleb Martins of the world beating me, or in Brooklyn's sake, Patty Mills and um, and these type of guys. I think like they will throw everything they have at Kyrie and KD, just like they threw everything they had at Harden and and Embiid, um, and, and then they got lit up from Maxi and. Tobias Harris like like Philly was deep enough to actually make them pay for that strategy but I don't really think like teams like Miami and and uh Brooklyn are that's why I think Boston's also a bad matchup like mm. you don't want to run into teams with the way the Raptors play defense that have a lot of good scoring options I don't think right. um that's a simplified way of 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 talking about their defense but yeah
0: Yeah, I'm I'm with you on the toughest. I don't want to face Milwaukee. I still think Giannis is the most unstoppable player in the league. And I think if I had to pick a champion right now, I'd probably lean them. Um, And as far as easiest, I think I would go similar to you. I'd go Miami, but then I'd probably go Cleveland over Brooklyn. I just think it's a lot.
1: Sorry, I totally ignored them. No, I think Cleveland above both of those teams.
0: Yeah. And I mean, if we had to take Cleveland out, I would lean Miami. And then after that, like, I don't know where I'd go. I'd probably go back to Philly. Honestly, I just, I understand the Brooklyn thing of them being a mess and all over the place, but I just, I just don't like when you're stepping onto a court and you're facing maybe the best player in the league in KD, And by the end of this year, he could be up at that level again. So that just kind of scares me a bit. Um, But speaking of playoffs, this last over, under, is uh, to do with the playoffs, and this will really let Raptors fans know where you stand with the team. Um, I kind of phrase this in a fun way, but over or under three and a half playoff wins.
1: So, do they win a series?
0: <laughs> yeah, there you go. Over, over, under zero point five series one.
1: Yeah, I think their goal for this season should be that. Yeah, like last year, the goal was very clearly just get into the playoffs at all costs. It doesn't matter what happens then. This year, their goal should be win a playoff series.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, this is a hard one to predict because, like we just talked about, it'll all come down to who they play in the playoffs. I'll I'll say yes, just to be optimistic. Because I nice. think I think, yeah, Cleveland, I didn't talk about, but I think they match up really well against Cleveland. Even though I think Cleveland will be a better regular season team, Toronto matches up really well against them, just in that they're a mismatch hunting machine. And now Cleveland has two guys to mismatch hunt against so yeah just based on the fact that I think Miami Cleveland or Brooklyn they could all beat those teams Philly conceivably they could beat them so just the odds I guess would say that it's possible
0: yeah I'd probably lean yes to be optimistic but if you forced me to throw in, throw everything I own on a bet I feel like I would go under I I, I I feel like I would bet against them winning a playoff series not because like I think they could still run into a team that's a favorable matchup, but I think there's a realistic chance with any of those matchups where Toronto just doesn't have the best player on the floor. And as much as that's such like a simplified analysis at the end of the day, it works most of the time.
1: Yeah. Yeah. They're definitely hoping to be the anomaly where those rules don't prove true, but until they prove it, then that's a fair way of looking at it
0: right but I, I think I'm with you like a second round exit or even just like a really really competitive first round with a good team because as we mentioned they're gonna play a good team in the first round of the playoffs even if they finish first like they'll, they'll play a good team Um, that's a good season for this team and that's a good step of improvement you know if they can finish around 50 wins again and uh, once again it, it, when you're when you're talking about that kind of outcome it all depends how you do it like you don't just want to grind and luck your way to that because that wouldn't be an improvement but if scotty takes a step up pascal's another all nba season you know fred's right up in that all-star level and then you have precious making improvements auto was useful then yeah I, i would deem that a successful season
1: yeah
0: well uh i want to thank you so much uh for coming on the pod of course but for literally just getting my basketball juices flowing again like this was super exciting uh do you want to shout out anything before we end here?
1: Yeah, man. Thanks for having me on. Um, listeners, if you liked what I had to hear, you can follow me on Twitter at Oren Weisfeld. And then, yeah, i doing a lot of work at Raptors Republic right now. So subscribe to the YouTube channel. Uh, that would mean a lot to me because uh, we're, we're trying to grow that right now and been doing a lot of off-season content there. So that's about what I have to plug.
0: Yeah, no, for, I, I honestly, I will back that up. You have uh, really good work and that's why I wanted to have you on and worth the Twitter follow. That's how I kind of got connected with you. Just damning you asking me to come on because I follow you. So uh, no, I really appreciate uh, appreciate you taking the time to to come on here and I'm excited for the season to start. Yeah, man, thanks
1: for having me and looking looking forward to it as well. Pretty excited myself.
0: It's gonna yeah. be a good one. Uh, yeah, it, it, should be, it should be really fun at the least. So thanks, man.